Well, it's not Christmas anymore. The doors, we've got plenty of them. Just choose one. Beer like Christmas friend. No, no, kidding. Uh, it's not Christmas anymore. It's over. Yesterday was the 12th day of Christmas, and now it's gone. What's this season called? It starts with an E, E and a P, epiphany. What does it mean to have an epiphany? Eureka, right? Like the light bulb comes on. Oh, if the graphic's not there. When the graphic goes up there, you will see a light bulb. For the light bulb to come on, right? For something that you missed, you now have it. Something that you couldn't see, you now see it. This, uh, the church calendar follows the story of Christ. The, the, uh, we start with the anticipation of Christ. We celebrate with the Christmas tide, the coming of Christ. And then here we are in Epiphany. We celebrate the moment with the wise men. Here's why. With the wise men, it's the moment in the story. Thousands of years of history and story about the God of who? The God of America? The God of the Russians? Pakistanis? The God of who? God of Israel. Did you say Maryland? Who said Maryland? That's awesome. The God of Maryland. No, not that God. The God of Israel. This is the moment where the God of Israel becomes what? The God of the world. We celebrate in this season... We celebrate the fact that God came not just for the select people of Israel, but He came for the entire world. And so in this season, uh, we have a, little, a fun little series we're going to do. Do you know what you don't know? Do you know what you don't know? Um, who listens to sports talk radio? All you nerds like me. Okay, have you heard the clip? Do you know what you don't know? Okay, everyone else, I made this up. But if you did hear that, you know where I got it, right? I've heard this for weeks and months, and every time I hear it, I go, that is brilliant. It's played as a joke, because it sounds like a stupid question, because the answer should be, of course I don't know what I don't know, right? But this, to me, this is why I pastor, okay? We all know there's stuff we don't know. We know that, okay? Here's the question. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the things you don't know? Do you care? Now, uh, in all fairness, you guys are about to get the good stuff. I practiced on the first service. It was pretty bad. So it's going to be good this time. We were on like two hours the first service. Like they were so bored. But I got it all figured out. <laughs> you guys always get the best. You're my favorites. You know that. Now, with kids, how do we know when kids are sick? There are weird questions that, that a doctor will ask you. The first time that, I think it was Jude, I took Jude in. It was the first time that, you know, I got talked into being the one to take Jude. Normally, you know, I'd be like, I have to go do something else. Need to please do it? Because I'm awkward with, with doctors. I don't, I don't know. I feel awkward. I'm always judging how smart they are. I'm like, do you do that at all? Come on. I don't want you to be a nice doctor. I want you to be a jerk who's really smart. Right? <laughs> okay. It's kind of the same way that if I were trying to find a pastor, it'd be the same way. I want a jerk who's really smart. I want you to be way smart. Okay, sorry. Um, I don't need you to hug me or hold my hand or like joke with me or watch a movie. I want to know you are smart. And so when the doctor comes in, I'm always like, hey, <laughs> show me something. Anyway, sorry. And so the first time I was in there, uh, the first question to me was this. So has he eaten lately? Has he shown interest in food? He has a fever. Why are you asking me? If, you know, what's his interest in food matter? Second question. Is, has he been playing? He's been throwing up. No, he hasn't been playing. Right? I mean, these are not the right questions to be asking, right? But are they? 
<laughs> Do you know what you don't know? <laughs> I didn't, right? When my kids, first of all, begin to show a lack of interest in food that they like. Now, it's normal if they don't like, you know, sushi, right? Like, that's normal, okay? But Liam loves PBJ. He will eat it any time. We're going to Chick-fil-A, which is the devil's. We all know that, right? We're going to get steak, whatever. He goes, I don't want that. Dad, I want PBJ. We're going to a steakhouse, son. Peanut butter jelly. When Liam doesn't want peanut butter jelly, something's wrong. Okay? When my kids stop being kids. So Jude, okay, the way he's a kid, he asks questions. Have you guys ever been around a kid around like seven or six years old? What do they do? Non-stinking stop, right? So what's this? What's that? And then the worst question. Okay, it's easy to answer the what. What's the hard question? Why? <laughs> what are those? Stoplights. Why? Oh, yeah, but why don't we do it a different way? What do you mean? What's that round circle thing? Oh, it's called a roundabout. Why don't we have roundabouts instead of stoplights? Because we're not European, child. Right? We don't do that stupid stuff, driving circles. We do it the American way. We stop. Why? Don't question. You guys understand. Dan, why don't you put ketchup on hot dog? Because you don't. No. You need to understand. You don't put ketchup. Okay. That's another sermon. I'm going to move on. I've realized the older I get, the more rants I have in my sermons. I'm trying to pull them back. I'm sorry. Okay, there's not a place to rant. But you, children, being kids, they play and they question and they're curious and they're wonder and they're loud and they make noise. We're watching a movie. And so Rachel, when she watches the movie, she insists on having something to eat and drink. Drink, which she calls reach, by the way. Reach milk. I don't know what that's about. Reach milk. Applesauce. So she's sitting there just, you know, enjoying herself. And like, here's Jude. So who's this? What's he in the story? Oh, oh, is he the hero or is he the anti-hero? How do you even know what that is? Be quiet. And then here's Liam. And he's like jumping over me on the couch. And so for me, the response is this. Stop moving. Stop eating. Stop talking. Can all of you children play dead just for two hours? I watched the movie, right? What happens to us as we get older? We stop moving. We stop questioning. We stop eating, right? Some of us. We lose interest in things. We stop making noises and being loud and having dreams and imagination. We start dying, right? And we're having fun. Oh, he's doing one of those again. Gosh, so depressing. So, I just screamed to the kids, be quiet, stop moving, stop eating. Liam looks at me and goes, Dad, I love you. I don't want you to die. That's kind of morbid, but very encouraging, child. I'm glad you don't want me to die. Oh, he's not done. But one day, he's telling me a story, but one day you will be very old, and you will be dead forever. Yes, from the mouth of babes comes truth bomb, right? Thank you. I'm not talking to you for the rest of the day. I'm scooting down here with Jude. <laughs> there is a childlike place where we know that we don't know. We know that, and we, we want to know. 
We want to know what we don't know. We want to explore what we haven't seen. We want to touch and taste and feel things we haven't yet. We want more. But see, at some point in our life, we get taught or trained or damaged and we learn how to stop moving, stop wondering, stop questioning, stop dreaming. Who here has had a parent say, go get a dream! What do they say to you? Go get a... Yeah, go get a life. Get all of it. You need all of it. <laughs> That's terrific. Go get a life. Stop hanging out with me. Get out of the house. Get out of my basement. <laughs> get a job, right? Go get a job. Go live in the real world, right? Stop living in fantasy land. Stop playing video games. Get out there and work. <laughs> no one ever yells at you and says, go get a dream, man. Go play. Ask me more questions. If you haven't learned this yet, you will never go wrong at Grace Church by asking a question. When you come to me with questions, you think that you are bothering me. You are not. When you ask me a question, it is the moment when I like you the most. I promise. Those are the type of people I want to spend time with. Have you ever been around someone who had an answer for everything? Hey, what about this? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to Disneyland. Oh, yeah, we've been 20 times. It's, you know, shut up. <laughs> right? You don't like those people. If you do, you might be one of them. Right? There's an answer for everything. You know how to go to space? I've been to the moon three times. It's not that great. We want, here at least, I want people who are curious, who are hungry, who are dreaming, who are pushing, who are moving. I want more. I want questions. Questions in my life have helped me far more than answers have. There is a, a place in our life when we head back to that childlike space and we begin to question and to wonder and to dream and to explore and to play. And this is the environment when we're growing. With children, when they stop playing, when they stop talking, they stop questioning, they stop eating, they stop moving, stop pooping, right? If, if, if your child starts pooping, is that a good thing? It's good for you in a certain way, right? Long-term bad thing. We need them to poop, right? We need them, all the things that annoy you are good signs. If your child is annoying, they are healthy. That's the truth. Spiritually, it's no different. The most dangerous signs that I ever find in people I pastor in this church is when you become bored. When you become numb, complacent. Me. Now, the term in the Bible for that that we just read is, is what? Lukewarm. And I love and hate this verse because like, I always get, like, I love what is being said, but I always get this image of being in God's mouth, being swished around. You know, like scope. You know what I'm talking about? And he's about to spew me out. I just... It's gross, right? No? Okay. Well, now it's with you. You always think about that now when you read the verse. You're going to be in God's mouth, about to be spit out. The only thing that God says, no, I'm good. I'm going to push that away. The only thing. You can be in the, the depths of anger, de depression, cursing at God. I can work with that. Joy and excitement and wonder and hunger and curiosity and questions. I can work with that. Yeah. I have to say, I agree with God. 
The only type of people I do not enjoy pastoring. Yeah. Man. Are you born with God? Are you with God? Have you stopped asking questions? Have you stopped having a hunger for a better world? Have you stopped trying to imagine a better place for your family, for you, for your friends, for people you know? Have you stopped dreaming about doing things and accomplishing things? Have you stopped trying to find people who have answers or questions? Have you stopped wanting more of God? You're sick. Have you come to a place where you are content? See, in most churches we teach this thing. We, we want you to get to a place where you are stable. We want your finances to be blessed, your, your marriage or your friendships to be blessed. We want your health to be blessed so that you can be stable, so that you can live your best life right now. And just hang out in that safety bubble of blessedness. I don't know about you, but I've read the Bible before. Who's ever read the Bible? I mean, like just a little bit of it. None of these people fit the description of the best life now. None of them. Beaten, hungry, naked, killed, captured, imprisoned. But they're hungry. They're curious. They're questioning. They're wrestling. They're moving with God. They're alive. See, there's something that we've learned. What happens to your body when you stop moving your body? Okay, it's 2019, January. What's everyone doing? Going to the gym, baby. Yes, because I'm going to get fit. Because if I move my body, and just think about how goofy that is. We go into a room to move our bodies. I move, it's like I'm outside running, but I'm not. What are we doing? Okay, I'm sorry. It's like I'm picking up rocks, but I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm sorry. This is great. Those things just crack me up. Um, a rant again. It's an old man rant. If the body stops moving, it begins to die. I'm only in my 30s. If I sat in a chair for six months, a year, two years, my body would begin to fall apart. It would begin to cease to exist. They say with dementia and Alzheimer's, the most important way to fight that off is to exercise your mind. Read new things. Think about new ideas. See new art. Do crossword puzzles. Keep it moving. What do you think happens when your spirit ceases to move. When your spirit gets stagnant and stale, and we're just going to hang out right here. It's comfortable here. Have you noticed the older you get, the more tempted you are to move less? I mean, everyone's like, no, I, I love the gym. Okay, no. The older you get, everything in you tells you, let's move less. Let's slow down. Let's just, that chair looks really nice right now. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to kick my legs up. It's a lazy boy. Awesome. Oh, it goes back even farther. We're going to stay right here, right? Now, eternity. <laughs> that's a fun segue. Eternity is one of the primary on-ramps, the primary movers that God gives us. Here's a question for you. What do you know for sure about where you came from? I'm not talking about your mom and your daddy, right? Which as a kid, when you asked that question, you found out where you came from, you almost didn't, you wish you didn't ask, right? Oh, come on, be real. Nobody, that was a pleasant idea for you? Great, whatever. Bunch of liars. All right. I don't mean that. 
Where did you come from before that? What do you know for sure about where you came from? How about this? What do you know for sure about where you are going? Well, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell me about heaven. Gold streets, clouds, bright lights, lots of singing. Wow, that's awesome. What else do you know for sure? Have you ever talked to anyone who's been there before? I talk to Jesus every night. Don't give me the Jesus answer. What do you know for sure? What do you know for sure about where you've come from and where you are going? When Liam said that to me, Dad, I love you, but, you know, one day you're going to be very old and you are going to die. This Tolstoy, he believed that this was the greatest truth of all truths. He believed this is the one truth that most humans hide from. The people who are not strong enough to accept it, hide from this their entire life. That this entire life is meaningless. Pointless. If you would be brave enough to look at what life really, to step back and look at what life really is. Everything you will ever love, everything you will ever accomplish, ever do, ever experience, will cease to exist. He's a very cheery guy. Very cheery. Have you ever heard a statement like this before? That's not Christian. Kind of right. It's Jewish, though. Have you ever heard of a book in the Bible that only says this? Meaningless, meaningless. All of life is a chasing of the wind. Man is best to spend his life eating, drinking, and making merry. Not just Benjamin Franklin. Solomon. The book of Ecclesiastes. The book that nobody reads. When's the last time that you read Ecclesiastes? Come on. Yesterday, last month, a year ago. Why do you not read that book? Because it's depressing. It's scary. It's dark and dreary. I don't want to read that book, but there's something in it. The reason the book exists, the reason that Tolstoy hits it, the reason I hate what Liam said to me. Sweet, that's cute, child, whatever. Don't make me look at eternity. I won't go into it, but the reason I'm a Christian and a pastor today is because when I was 17, I had a very real awakening to what eternity meant. I realized there was something that I do not know. It wasn't God at first. Trust me, I went to, I was in all the church meetings, all the Bible studies, all the sermons. I was sure that I knew who God was. I got God right in the box. Yeah, he's this, he's this, and this verse says this, and that verse says this, and amen, there's God. I'm bored. But I found something that I did not know. I knew that I did not know this. I started out, what is this? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Because all the stuff in between, all of your energy is spent on the in-between. All you do is spend time building a life that's going to evaporate. You will die. Your children will die. Your legacy, your name will die. This building will cease to exist. All of this will be wiped away. It will cease to exist. And no one wants to hear that. We live our life not looking ahead. And the moment we get there, one of the scariest moments that I ever have to deal with as a pastor is to sit with someone on their deathbed who has not spent time thinking about it yet who hasn't prepared themselves for what's next. Because it is utter fear. 
deep into their soul. I do not know what's coming because I've never looked at it. I want you to understand this. Eternity is one of the primary, most powerful invitations of God for us to stay moving. I want to explain this a little bit more for you. Now, there's a term in the Bible for things that are eternal, things that are unchanging. Starts with a K, you know what it is? Kingdom. Kingdom is the word used in the Bible for the things that are right now that you can experience and step into, the things that are here in this moment, but the things that will never end, the things that will never cease, that will never die, that will never fade away, that will never be replaced. There are things that are eternal. They're, they're fixed. These things will never change, but everything else will. And the word for that is kingdom. These things of God are here right now for you to touch, for you to experience, to live into, and they will never change, but everything else will. And so Jesus gives us this call. He says, seek ye first, what? The things that will never change. You want to find something to hold on to? Here, hold on to this. Because here's the reality about this. I promise there's going to be some silver lining. There will be some, you know, some bright lights at the end. Okay, I apologize. It's getting dark in here. I should have just bring down all the lights. We should just get really depressed in here, right? We're going to die. Everybody's going to die. It's so sad. Here is a fact of, of life. is that everything is moving. Everything is changing. Scientists say the only thing that's really real is what you are made up of. These tiny little immeasurable pieces or forms of matter and that every single form the chair the, the the table here my body it's all changing it's moving and so an atom is leaving me and going to become something else every single second they say that from the age 24 who's older than 24 okay you are dying faster than you are living amen literally <laughs> up until 24 you grow faster than you die more new is coming in faster than old is going away. Not after 24. Or all, you see, you guys all thought that like 60 or 70 was like the, the downhill. No, 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 24. That's when you start going down. If this is so true, then why isn't Paul freaking out? Like, why isn't Jesus like, you need to freak out. You're going to die. Freak out now. Why is this not more like prevalent? Like, why is Solomon the only one in the Bible who's saying freak out? Because I would like someone else to say that. <laughs> We're learning about how to, you know, how to not do bad things, eat this, don't eat that, wear that, don't wear that, you know, do this, don't do that. Why don't we talk about the big thing? The big thing that's coming. Why don't we talk about that? If, if our life is only this and all of that, why don't we talk about the rest of it? But see, he does. All of the words of Jesus, all the teachings and the parables are all talking about what? The kingdom. I want to explain something to you. Use a metaphor here, almost just picture. Um, have you guys ever been um, uh, in a big city you're driving and like you're trying to find the right exit? Anybody? And you're freaking out because like you've never been there. Uh, say a... Uh, Los Angeles or Dallas, like Atlanta, okay? It's so like seven or nine lanes of traffic. And all of a sudden, you know, it tells you, turn right now. I've got nine lanes. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, do, do, yeah, okay. 
It's helpful when it tells you, in five miles, take this exit, right? That's helpful. Okay, great. I can work my way and get ready for the on-ramp. Most of our spirituality in the Christian church is this. Merge now! Here comes death. Get ready for it. We give you one prayer, and we tell you, hey, guess what? You're saved. When you die, you're going to a good place. That's it. The rest of the time, we're going to talk to you about the do's and don'ts and how to be happy and be blessed and, you know, enjoy life. I want you to understand something. The reason Jesus talks to us about the kingdom is this. What if your entire life now was about merging lanes? Okay, in five miles, I've got time to get ready. Okay, I'm getting over. I'm getting over. I'm getting over. I'm ready. What if all of life was not preparing to die What if all of life, the reason Jesus tells us, step into the kingdom of heaven now. Learn to be with God now. Learn to be present with God now. Learn to seek first what is eternal. Learn to live in this life. What if you could get on that ramp now? What if death was not stepping into a place that's unfamiliar to you? What if death was stepping into what is already familiar to you? What life already is for you? There There are a few spiritual kind of, I don't know what the word is for that, mentors or teachers I've really loved the most. They weren't the best theologians. They weren't the most intelligent. But they had something in them. There was just this youthfulness about them. Dallas Willard is one of the last ones, and Eugene Peterson also. I loved the way that they talked about death. They were not afraid of it at all. Um, Eugene just passed a um, three months ago. And when they asked him, they said, are you afraid of death? He said, no. Why should I be? And I, I loved and hated that question. Well, of course you should be stupid. I mean, it's like that question. Do you know what you don't know? Well, duh. He said, it's only the next adventure. My entire life has been an adventure with God. Every moment I've lived, I've gone on a journey. Every day there's been something new. Every day I've questioned. Every day God's taken me to a new place. Every day with God. Why would I be afraid about the next new place God takes me? The reason that this church exists is not for people who want to just hang out where you are. I I promise you that the pastors and myself, we love you, we will take care of you and pray for you when you need us, but if you're content where you are, we don't have much to offer you. We are a church that's focused on one thing, for people who want to go on the journey. Do you want more of God? Okay, we can work with that. The entire goal of this spiritual life is that every single day we are going, God is taking us new places. We're seeing new things. We're asking questions. We're, we're, we're experiencing wonder. We're playing. We're, we have hunger and excitement. We have highs and we have lows. We are truly alive. One of the worst parts about being an adult is you learn to be less alive than your children are. You learn to feel less and to, to share less, to speak less, to, to think less. We use so much of our energy just to keep ourselves from being fully alive. What would your day look like if you went around fully emotionally vulnerable? When someone hurt you, if you reacted as if you were hurt. When you wanted to cry as if you cried. When you wanted to dance. My, 
We get an ice cream last night in Fayetteville. It's a college spot. College spot. It's all, you know, everyone's real serious and cool, you know. And I've got all my kids, okay? And so, like, you know, here comes a song. So Rachel hears a song. It has a good beat. Good beat. She gets up with the ice cream. She just starts doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, sit. Shh. Stop it. Truth be told, do I want to dance? A little bit. Will you ever see that? That's about it. That's about all you'll ever see. Do I want to be as alive as my child is? Yes. But I've been trained not to be. When that terrible thing hits my life and I, it doesn't make sense, I don't care like, what Bible verse you throw at me, all I want to do is be angry at God. I've trained myself not to be. When I face eternity, I realize I know nothing about where I came from. You can tell me all the Bible verses in the world, but when I look at it honestly, I have no idea where I came from. I have no idea where I'm going. And that is the biggest thing in my life, and it terrifies me. But I train myself not to feel it. Just look down. Just focus on what you got right here. I want you to get this. The spiritual life is an invitation to be fully alive with God. Of all the books and all the, the gurus I've talked to and all the, the studying experiences I've had, I've seen so many forms of Christianity. The most accurate way that I can tell you is this. True spiritual maturity. Find someone who is like a child when it comes to God. Follow that person. Someone who is fully alive enough to ask questions and to share emotions and to be scared and to be angry and to be frustrated, but to be excited, to celebrate. Did you notice whenever Pastor Zach was like, hey, we raised you know, so much money, and we all go, we're the worst church at celebrating. <laughs> when you have like an introverted pastor, you know, even the extroverts are like, we shouldn't dance here. We should be very quiet. <laughs> we get a little bit better at that, right? The most dangerous thing to see in yourself spiritually is when you become quiet, bored. When you stop asking questions, you stop wondering, you stop wanting to explore. When you take a kid to a new house, what do they want to do? Go into every bedroom in the house, right? But you know as an adult, I'm not allowed to go into that bedroom. That's awkward, right? Like If you walked in my house and went straight to the master bedroom, I would... Okay, welcome. You know, you know, I, 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 what do you say? But a kid wants to explore everything. They don't know they're not supposed to explore everything new. They ask some of the most inappropriate questions you could ever imagine. <laughs> Dude, hey, why does that guy from here up, he looks like a man, but he looks like a child? Think about it. Son, that man heard you. I, we have to apologize. I'm so sorry. Get over here. Here's what kids do. Insatiable desire for something new. And when they find something new, they want to explore it to the fullest. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. You will never get in trouble here. Asking questions. The only time 
that I get worried about you. And actually, there's, there's someone here. I, I, I talked to you after worship. I said, I miss when you ask me questions. When I see you next time, I want you to have questions for me. I worry about people when I stop getting questions from them because I know they've stopped growing. They've stopped exploring. They've stopped allowing God to take them new places. And our spiritual life is about allowing God to take us new places with Him. There are things that don't change, but those things are few. Would you stand with me this morning? And so... We start this series off by talking about eternity because I just want us to just to face it. There are things that we don't know. Every single human in this room has questions about what comes next. But how many of you are allowing yourself to question, to think, to pursue, to find the answer to that? Eternity is not the only reason that we pursue God, but it's one of the primary ones that keeps us moving. The goal for us is not to to learn to be content with not knowing. It's not to learn to just be polite with God. The desire of God is that we would be hot or cold. We would be like children. We would be loud. We would be fits and celebrations and dancing with your ice cream and questions that would make anyone else cringe. But this is what's real. This is what's really inside of you. Every part of you that is quiet and dead and reserved, you've trained yourself. You've been trained by others. That's not from God. The most pure form of you is that childlike form of you. And to grow in God is actually to come down to, to learn to be more like a child. It's the inverse. To grow spiritually is actually to go backwards in the natural, in this world. To learn to be vulnerable and open and to question, to feel and to think, to be alive. To let God take us new places every day. So that every day of your life, God is moving you over lane to lane to lane to because when that day comes you'll have no fear because you've already been experiencing until you've already been living in a world that will never change that will never fade away and that world is the one that's more home than this world we don't know the place we've come we don't know the place we're going but there's one thing you do know this morning you do know amen hallelujah you do know that you have a desire to go home in the most fundamental, basic way. Every atheist I've ever met, even when I was one, every atheist I ever met, we had one question. And the reason that we stopped believing in God is because we couldn't find the answer. What is the meaning of life? Where are we going? What is the heart of this? What is the point? In every race and religion, the heart is that question. What is our home? Where are we going? Because every one of us, somewhere, we have a desire to be a part of something. And everything in your life that you love the most, everything you love the most, you love it because it reminds you of home. Acceptance, love, embrace, encouragement, friendship, family. These things remind you of something that's deeper than anything you've had. And that's the one thing we know for sure. We don't know what's out there, but we do know this. We want to know. We want to know what home is like. And we can experience it. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask you to be with us. Help us to unlock every question, every curiosity, every part of us that wants to run and explore and see new things and wants to be inappropriate. <laughs> that you would help us, Lord, to unlock the childlikeness inside of us. That we would learn with you to be fully vulnerable, fully honest, fully alive. If we have stopped asking questions, if we stopped dreaming, we ask by the Spirit of God that you would wake us up. So we're going to bring the prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything. If you want to start your journey with, with Christ, that's really what it is. 
It's a journey. It's supposed to be daily experience of new. God taking us to new places and new things. Discovering more and more about the God who is limitless. We want to pray with you this morning. So Father, we just give you our lives. We pray that over us, over our friends, over our family, over our futures, that we would be people that would be like children with you. We pray that we would have childlike curiosity, childlike wonder, childlike desire to explore everything that you are. 